Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. You're very welcome to Friday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Final show of the week heading into the weekend and we have lots for you over the next couple of hours. Music, talk and more besides. If you want to get in touch with me on the show, don't forget the usual numbers 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Let me tell you about my first guest on the show today. On the 29th of July 2013... Sanjeev Chadda took his sons, Owen and Rory, it was the 28th actually of July, bowling into Carlotown. He didn't come home by evening time and unable to contact them, their mother Kathleen raised the alarm. What followed was one of the most gruesome and harrowing double murders of two innocent boys by their dad that's ever happened in this country. In her memoir called Everything, Kathleen Chadda tells her story and I'm delighted to say she's with me in the studio on Late Lunch today. Kathleen, you're very welcome. Thank you, Jerry. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining me. I think first I need to tell them, some people in Navin may know you because you nursed <laughs> over there for a while, didn't you? I did. I did. That's a long time yes. ago. But they've, but yes. they've long memories here, <laughs> well, I can tell you. They'd need to for that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I had uh, I had two years in Navin, actually. Mm. Uh, I came back from, from London and uh, it was um, it was the first job that I got when I came back to Ireland. Um, I spent a good bit of time in the orthopaedic unit there. Yes. Absolutely loved it. Mm. Loved it, mm. I have to say. Oh, that hospital is loved by yeah. the people over there. Yeah. We, we know that well. Uh, nursing is your background. You went first and trained in London and you worked, let me say, in many places yeah. in the world. But let's talk about your time in Saudi Arabia uh, when you met this man, Sanjeev, in 1997. He's uh, of Indian extraction. Yeah. Uh, his family live in the UK, the Hindu faith. Uh, his business was accounting and banking. Uh, you, he, you say about him in, in, in the book he was kind and considerate oh absolutely he was lovely he just he was he was lovely it's the only way I could describe him when I first met him he was easy easy to get on with easy to chat to and and liked um by everybody to be honest with you he didn't have an issue with anybody and he wasn't aggressive I think mm. that's what maybe makes what he did so difficult um because I suppose it, it it shakes your confidence because you sort of think, how how can somebody hide something like that? Um, but no, he wasn't. Uh, it wasn't aggressive. We had a, a good relationship um, in those early years, uh, mm. in particular. You know, ups and downs that came with it, and there were there were issues that uh, you know, as 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 I look back on them. But it's funny at the time. It was fine. You didn't raise you an didn't, alarm didn't bell or anything alarm. like that. No. 
Your pregnancies, yes. I want to talk about those for a minute. Both were unplanned on, yeah. on the two boys. I, I get from the book, did, did Sanjeev want children? Did you ever talk about this? It's funny, we never we never discussed it in detail. So, and, and I, I look back on the relationship now and I see in, in many ways, you know, we lived the expat lifestyle. Okay, so we were in Saudi Arabia. So it was a very surreal kind of life. Mm. We didn't have the normal kind of, um, you know, making a decision to live together, bills and pooling resources and, you know, fights over who got the telly you know, or programme mm. that night. Those sorts of things didn't happen. You, you, you lived a very different lifestyle. And then he left and I stayed on in Saudi for a little bit longer. And when I came back very quickly, I got a job in Dublin and we made a decision to buy um, a house or an apartment at the time, but mm. a house uh, we ended up buying. And and then I got pregnant very quickly after that. So we didn't really have time to have that discussion. The discussion was actually that we were going to get engaged after we bought the house. Um, I wasn't in a rush to get married. So mm. I was in my early 30s. And children, even for me, weren't something that I was sure where it wasn't an instinct. I didn't yes. feel like I had to have kids, even though I worked in the fertility field. Mm. Um, it wasn't. It was funny. And I would have because of that, I would have thought about it a lot. But it wasn't something that I really desperately wanted or or, or felt I wanted. Mm. Um, and when I was pregnant with with Owen initially, it was like, oh, no, it was just because it wasn't planned. I hadn't really thought about it but very quickly that changed mm. changed for me anyway mm. um and you know i it's funny we would have had, had conversations about what would happen if i did get pregnant and which was that we would have the baby but we didn't actually talk about getting pregnant if that makes yes, sense yes. you know uh, but that was just general conversations mm. that you'd you know you'd but have. but you say in the book he was uh, a hands-on fun dad absolutely. when the boys arrived yeah. each of them you know yeah. he loved them he absolutely and and there wasn't any doubt in my mind but that he loved them i mean yes when i was pregnant with with owen you know he was very upset that i i wanted to go ahead with the pregnancy at the time but even we talked about that after mm. and talked about it again after Owen was born because it had it had bothered me. Um, now, I went ahead, we got married, but it had bothered me. And he said, but he said, until I held Owen in my arms, I didn't know what it was going to be like. He said, I, I, I did. I just didn't know. And talking to other dads, you know, that's mm. not an unusual feeling. Yes. And, and it made sense. And I put that completely to bed mm. um, until, of course, I got pregnant with Rory. Mm. Um, and we had talked a little bit about whether we wanted to have another child or not. And, you know, I, I again, the field I work in and, you know, I knew it mightn't come happen easily. You know, we weren't, I suppose we weren't trying not to get pregnant, but we weren't, you know, actively yes. trying. So it was kind of when it took a long time. So when I did get pregnant, um, yeah, he didn't speak to me for about a week. <laughs> and that was that was a bit more of a, I suppose, mm. a, a slap in the face because that was we were all, we were very established. We had our we had our home down in Ballinkillen. We'd built, you know, we'd, we'd bought yes. and sold in Dublin, built in Ballinkillen. And so this was a different kind of mindset. And mm. uh, so, yeah, that really caught me at the time. But you know what? You're in a relationship. You're you've now got a child and another on the way. You're mm. married. You know, we, we had a mortgage on a house. I was the one working. He was a stay at home dad, which was, a, a you know, a decision we had made together. So you know, did I rock the boat or just 
stay put, which is what I did. I, mm. I stayed and, mm. and you made it work. And, you know, a week later we had it out and uh, and he apologised and, and yes. we moved on. And you move it. on. It's as you simple know. as that. So he was stay at home. He wasn't working himself. Yep. I mentioned his background was in accounting and banking. And I know I'm rolling on here to yep. coming near to that time in July 2013. And um, you found out shortly before what happened, happened that he had, you know, taken a substantial sum of money from a local community group, 56,000 euros. It's an awful lot of money. Had you any clue that he was gambling on these stocks and shares? Uh, It was hidden in the open is how I would put it. I absolutely, I knew he was doing it, but I thought it was a hobby and it was it was something he dabbled in. It was something that Sanj had done for years. We had invested money when we were in in Saudi Arabia and we had made money on it. And, you know, so I saw it as something that he just did. It wasn't something that was going to generate an income. It wasn't, you know, I joked about that and it would be mm. great when that happens. But it, that, that was the same kind of joke you have about winning the lotto. Yes. So I didn't take it seriously. And when I say hidden in the, the open, he would have, you know, I could have stood over his shoulder looking at his mm. computer screen. It was all double dutch to me. I didn't understand what it was, but it wasn't hidden, if you like. Yes. Which actually made it credible. Mm. Um, and 56,000 was needed. He obviously took that because yeah. he was in trouble to try yeah. and rob Peter to pay Paul. Do you think that played any part in what happened? Yeah, absolutely. I think he he was now found out. Mm. Basically, it was exposed. He was exposed. It was in the open. And I do believe it was it was shame. Uh, and, and that's not adequate for me. That's not enough. But then there's never going to be enough of a reason for him doing what he did. So. And yet you found an email yeah. afterwards. Was that before the 56,000 revelation around the same time? It was after. It was after the after. boys. Yeah, so after so the so after the boys had been killed, yeah. I the computer and the laptop were gone, so I had no access to photographs of the boys. You, um, you're angry about that in the book. I know that because absolutely. they were taken, they were taken for investigation yeah. and you lost yeah. most every memory, yeah. didn't you? you and know. and that's it. I've, I've worked to get them back together and yeah. friends had photographs and, and, you know, they took what they could from the computer computer but um you know it, it's one of the it, look at I understood that the investigation had to happen and that took priority and I've I've worked backwards to get photographs back but on that particular day it would have been about probably a month three four weeks after my brother-in-law had loaned me um, a laptop and I was now kind of going into emails my own emails and I was looking at Owens mm. um Sanja created an email account for both the boys when they were born to send photos to his family actually yes. and, and stuff like that so I knew there were photos there and then you're you're just you're just going through it browsing. you're just browsing uh, and I saw a photo uh, or an email that he had, had he'd actually sent it from Owen's email to his own email which is a bit odd When was uh, this? When did he send it? A year and a half previously A year and a half before mm. there was ever a before revelation ever a problem. but no you said the money played a yeah. part in it but yeah. just tell our listeners what that email said But the email basically was it was he was talking about family annihilation he talked about killing the, the, his wording on it was uh, forget about me but raise a class to Kathleen and the boys and remember them so in other words, he was planning to take all of us. He wanted to kill the four of us. Um, and, uh, you know, part of the email was talking about trading and how to trade. And it was just ridiculous. It was it was so bizarre. On It was it was and, and, and the fact that he'd written it a year and a half previously mm. was at a time when we had actually gone through our finances because I dropped my hours in work back then. Um, so even, you know, so 
as far as I was concerned, we were stable and, and yes. you know. But he wasn't. Uh, but he wasn't, obviously. And, and, and you didn't cop this no. in the general, you know, going about no. of life with the boys no. at home. Nothing like, Nothing that. like that. Let's come on to this 28th of July, um, yeah. uh, the day of the 20th. He was very calm, you say. He was calm. And, and it's funny, I... So about 10 days previously was when I'd found out about the embezzlement. And that week up leading up to the Sunday, there was a calmness about him that I put down to, um, you know, things were now out in the open. He, I hadn't kicked him out. We were dealing with it. We were going to, whatever way we would manage this, we'd manage it. And that's what I thought it was. Um, but in hindsight, I think he had made a decision. He's took them bowling. This was the thing. And yeah. I, I've looked at, it was this, uh, a camera in a, a local shop there in Carlow where he brought them in for yeah. treats and everything. But no bowling because he headed to Mayo in the yeah. west of Ireland and he killed the two boys near Ballantubber Abbey. Yeah. Now, you were obviously alarmed when they didn't return and you raised the alarm quite quickly. Did you honestly believe what unfolded was before you? No, absolutely not. Because, and, and actually my, my mantra all that night was he'll be okay. He has the boys with him. He'll be okay. What I didn't realise was that actually that, that is what happened. He was okay, but the boys weren't. But it never occurred to me in any way that he would have hurt the boys. The most I thought was that they would be wondering, that they'd be scared when they came back because of all the activity and the fact that Sand was probably going to be hauled away um, by the guards, um, you know, and that our relate, you know, he all goes through your mind. But, you know, in my mind, I went, well, this this is at Langer now. This how can the relationship actually mm. come back from this? Yes. Um. And uh, so they were all the things that I worried about. How were the boys going to cope with that? Um. I also thought that he might have brought them to the UK to his mum. Um. Uh. That they might have gone over on the ferry, even though the passwords were passports were there. But I still kind of thought, mm. well, okay, maybe he's gone on his his driving license or that. Um. And that I'll be hopping on a plane to go there. But if, if, only. if only, if only he strangled both of them yeah. in the car, put yeah. them into the boot of the car, was yeah. driving round with them for hours. And when the alert went out, then he crashed the car. Yeah. Yeah. And he could. He, I mean, I I remember the I think it was the Wednesday after the funeral going across to, to Mayo and um, they were so good over there and they brought me to where the, the crash had happened and all I the first thing I thought as I got out of the car was oh good lord he could have hurt somebody else he could have killed somebody else because he came from a side road across what was a, a fairly busy road there could have been somebody walking cycling could have been other children on that road there could have been anything anyone on that road um, and uh, so whatever kind of divine intervention on that day there was nobody there at that point because there was a lot of people that came after yes. um, obviously and uh, but yeah he, he had no he had no thought for others so mm. um, you, you you know I, I can put lots of words on it now yeah, I know narcissistic I know. and I know. psychopath all of those things which absolutely and evil I, I do you know but but back then that wasn't how I saw him, you know. Back then I suppose, well, he was my husband and I loved him. Kathleen, I just want to read a couple of lines from the book here that will never leave my mind. It's it says this a little short paragraph. He said it says he took everything. He literally took everything. I never got to give Owen and Rory a last hug when they came back to me three days later. They were cold. 
Yeah. <laughs> and they were still my boys, mm. but they were cold. They were, it was, you know, I, I, I uh, and you can you can, you can get very I suppose emotional about it, but which I obviously do regularly. But you know, I I, I kind of look at it and I go, we were both there when they were born. Um, he was there when they died. Now, no parent should ever be there when their children are. are no child should should die before a parent. It's it, it it is very wrong in in this world, but it does happen. Um, but he took that from me, so I couldn't. I couldn't hold them properly. I could I could hold their hand. I could touch them, but I couldn't hold them the way I wanted to. Um, you know, and I know in the book I've talked about how I all I wanted was to crawl into bed between them, as I would have done on so many occasions. Um, and because um, it was one of those things that, you know, you lie between the two kids and then they fall asleep and you're like, how am I going to get out of here now? Um, but uh, I, I couldn't. I You know, it wasn't just wasn't you know it was them but it wasn't them anymore and uh so we we okay I, I spent the night with them i only had them home really for sort of uh i suppose two nights really one mm. and a half nights they came home in the middle of the night um gedmund the the undertaker had promised me that as soon as didn't matter what time he'd have them home to me yes um so and i was lucky to get them home mm. you know and I, that 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 feels so wrong to say that, but I was lucky. Mm. They, they almost didn't, and uh, you know that I could do, do have the funeral that yes. I wanted in the way yes. that I wanted. And you had and time with them. Yeah, time. and so many people came. Oh, now the yeah. lovely stories in the book yeah. about the Kilkenny Harling family, yes. Cody, Shefflin, yes. uh, yeah. Walsh. They all came because they the did. boys loved her. They were really loved her, yeah. and that was beautiful. Yeah. Touched by all those people. Yeah. I'm sure the memories you'll treasure forever. Absolutely. With the support. But look, you, you said you love this man. You keep, you keep saying to me you love this man yeah. today. No. No, 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 no. Do you uh, hate him? I, I don't. Hate is a really strange word. And I, I, I don't know. I, I do. I think he's evil. I try not to have too many, too much of a, a feeling for him because it gives him control to say it's hate. I don't know what hate is. And I know that sounds silly and it would be so easy to just say, of course, I hate him. But I don't really know what it is. But I don't have any. There's no no respect. There's no time. There's no. I try not to have feelings over with him if I can at all. I can't completely wipe him from my life and my my memories because if I do that, I, I wipe a significant portion of Owen and Rory. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's not it's not hate as such, but it, it's an intense dislike that he was able to hide this side of him, that he was able to hide the, the person that he has become, um, you know, and, and I know he's he's in prison now. He's he's in being punished, if you like. But but, you know, he's he is a life. Can I say something to yeah. you? He, a monster is not too strong a word, no. in my opinion, no. after reading yeah. and, and knowing your story going back. Yeah. But reading this book yeah. now, a coward as well, an Absolutely. absolute coward yes. because he didn't kill himself. Yeah. And, you know, people have said to me, we've talked about yeah. you. Why do people do this? Why don't they just take their own lives and leave the innocent lives yeah. alone? Yeah, absolutely. Does that run through your mind? Oh, totally. From the very beginning, you know, he did apparently make some attempt on his own life on that night, but it was pathetic. Uh, you know, it was a he, he tried to hang himself, apparently from a tree and the branch broke, um, you know, and he had so much time. I, I, I genuinely don't understand how 
if you've done what you've done and you, you come out of whatever fog you might have been in to do it in the first place, how you can live. I don't understand how he can mm. live with himself and he shouldn't. He doesn't deserve to live, in my opinion. It's not that I wish him dead. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very strange play way yes. of, of putting it. But, but I wish he was not in this world. I really do. He got life. He did. And I just life when you read into it here is 20 years now. Life in England, in the UK, by the way, life is life oh, in yeah. an awful lot of cases. But life, yeah. possibly 20 years. He was yeah. sentenced in 2014, was it? He was sentenced, yeah. you know, and 20 years on. He's applied for parole already. Seven years in, he applied for parole. Yeah. It's now 12 years. You can't apply. The law has changed. Yeah. And of course, you made the submission when he uh, applied for the parole. Yeah. He should never get out. Oh, no, absolutely not. And, you know, I and I will be told that he's still serving a life sentence, even if he does get parole, that he's out on license. No, if you're not behind bars um, or behind that locked door, you're not serving your sentence. And he does not deserve to see the light of day. He just doesn't deserve it after what he did. I suppose I, I I'm the way the law is at the moment. He will because he's still only in his early 50s. Um, you know, if he does the average, that would be 20 years, which is only another 10 years. If he does a little be beyond that, which is what I would be hopeful for, he might do 24, 25 years. Um, but, you know, will some of that be in an open prison? Will that will there be concessions? There's, there's so much yeah. that goes with it. It's it's not just about the, the mm. sentence, if you like. Mm. And and where does he go then? You know, Oh, my word. I I know and all these thoughts must be in your mind. Why did you not change your name? Why did you keep the name Chada? Because Owen and Rory were Uh born as Owen and Rory Chada. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and, uh, I, you know, initially a lot of people were quite shocked. My family, friends initially. But actually I went, no, no, no. Owen and Rory were Owen and Rory Chada. And I can't change that. I can't make them Murphy just because it, it's it's what I want. That's what they were. And they were proud of that. They were proud, as proud of their Indian heritage as they were of their Irish one. Owen in particular, you know. Um, so, you know, that's that's important. That's them. It's part of them. I think of his poor mother. Yeah. Mrs. Chadda. Yeah. Do you have any contact oh, yeah. with you? Yeah, God. I do. I do. She must have been. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She goes over every year for the oh, anniversary God in fairness her. to her. Yeah, and, you know, this she didn't raise him like this. No. This isn't no. how, you know. He wasn't insane. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. It would have, as I said to, you know, it, it would have been easier if he had been insane because there's a reason then and you could sort of explain it in a way. Uh, but absolutely no, he wasn't insane. I was terrified that that was go- there was going to be an insanity plea. Absolutely. Mm. Um, and I was warned that that was possible. Um, but he, know, didn't prefer, that but he didn't go that route. He didn't go that route. You're one of the most remarkable women I've ever met because okay. thank you I don't know if it were me could I get out of bed in the morning could I live with myself did those thoughts ever come into your mind can oh, I go on absolutely absolutely and and I do now I've always said I've never I've never felt that I'm suicidal at any point but there have been many times where I wish I was not in this world um, and I I will absolutely and I made a promise to my parents very early on I will not put them through the loss of a child. So I could not do that um, and I wouldn't do that. Initially it was for them. Uh, now it's for me. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's time and that, that goes and on. And you have moved on moved with on. your life. You, you've you move forward. You move forward Left Ballin and Kill and yeah. you've in, a new, new life and a new yeah. place and that as well. And, and I bring the boys with me. Yes, I know they that all me. of the time. <laughs> yeah. 
Has the book, just before we finish, yeah. has this been a help to you as well? Absolutely. This it memoir? puts it together. It yes. just puts it together because there's, there's all sorts of thoughts that go through your head and go through your mind. And, and, you know, I've done lots of interviews over the years for various different things. And, you know, with the justice system about grief mm. and I do talks. And, you know, so I find what this did is it just put all of that together for me. Um, you know, I could have made it twice as big. There's just as much in, you know, on the, yes. on the cutting room floor, as they say. Yeah. Um, and uh, but there was no benefit to that. This mm. wasn't that wasn't what it was about. This wasn't about me. It needed to just be this is this is what I wanted people to know. Look at them. Yeah, look at the pictures I'm very proud of the photograph oh, on the front of the book. Absolutely beautiful. People recognise that photograph. Yes. They may not remember the boys' names, but they remember the photograph and they smile. I was coming down the stairs and somebody yeah. here just said, oh, yeah, it's Kathleen coming. Yeah. And yes, she's been That's with it. me here today. Listen, you're fantastic. I wish you well. Thank you. I'm, we all feel for you. We think of you. We pray for you. Pray for the boys. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. I recommend the book highly. It's called Everything by Kathleen Chada. It's available on Amazon and in all bookshops. It's right across the country at the moment. Yeah. Get it. Read it. It's outstanding. Thank you so much for joining me today on the show, Kathleen. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you for having me. I ain't one bit surprised she touched so many of you. Isn't Kathleen Charter such a remarkable woman? She really, really is. Just a sample of what's coming to us. Jerry, my heart is broken listening to Kathleen. I remember the case well. I have two boys of my own. They're my world. I couldn't live without them. Please give her my love and I'm hoping with all my heart She's able to make some sort of life for herself. That comes in from Tracy. She is indeed. She's a remarkable woman and she is living and moving on, which is incredible. Uh, God bless Kathleen, says Christine, and her courage to carry on. I've never forgotten Owen or Rory. I know that God has them in his loving arms. That poor lady, says another listener. Jerry, where does she get the strength? I don't know. That's as I read the book. I just... It's incredible. As for that scumbag murderer, I hope he rots in hell. What a twisted, selfish man. Very sorry for the ladies, two boys who were robbed of their young lives, says Eamon in Dunlea this afternoon. And there are more there. Thank you indeed for the comments. Keep them coming to us. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Now let's have a go at this. Great! I love TV. We watch TV. TV themes with Jerry Kelly on the Late Lunch. Remember that TV movie we saw? TV, TV, TV. This is not difficult. Yes, you know it, don't you? Yes, you do know it. We sat and Brian were singing it here. And uh, Brian was doing actually one of the characters from the show as well. That's our TV theme this afternoon. And I'm going to pop into the gift uh, to you today a copy of Kathleen's book. Kathleen Charter, who was with me, called Everything. What is that TV show that that theme music comes from? Now, I'm off for a ramble to one of Drogheda's oldest pubs. That's the bell of the door of Peggy Moore's wonderful pub on Sunday's Gate in Drogheda where I've just arrived to receive a tour of the place and hear all about the history of this wonderful, wonderful pub, shop, 
food emporium, you name it. But it's been under new ownership here in recent years and the McGowan family from Scholars took it over and Glenn McGowan is with me, standing patiently by. And Glenn, I look round me here, the place just oozes history, doesn't it? Yeah, it does, it really does. It's like stepping back in time, really. Fascinating, all the historical features that we found. When we took over first, we were really caught by surprise when we got into an attic. It was very dark and scary I don't like spiders and there was a lot of uh, cobwebs but when we finally got the lights on we found what Martin would describe as a treasure trove loose leaf tea chests filled with everything you can think of time magazines Preston's whiskey bottles old documents from the Christian brothers we were actually uh, walking over the old enamel signs and we thought it was a tin floor and it happens to be some of the best enamel signs that I've ever seen and they're hanging here with Moore's names on it and all the rest of it 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 was just covered in treasures You never expected this at all? Never expected it at all but I think Damien Moore who sounded to me uh, I think Damien knew that I was going to put all this stuff back up and he's always come down with more stuff for me all the time he brought back the churn they used to uh, do the butter and we have that outside and a ledger from it, it tells us all from 1908 which they bought the place off Mr Dolan across the road and in 1908 and they've a ledger from 1908 to 1973 and the calligraphy in it was magnificent up until about 1950, 60 when it started borrowing. It looks brilliant. We have it here and we have an awful lot of the other trinkets that were hanging around the place. They never threw out a piece of string. The string was tied in a, in a little bow and it was put into a box and we have everything. We have the labels for all their bottles. They used to bottle all their own Guinness to their whiskies. All sorts of whiskies that were bottled. The Dublin whiskey sign outside is one of the ones that were done. It must have been for me because I'm a Dublin man, you know, but a, a Dublin whiskey. But it's actually a Drogado thing and it was Michael Moore that started all that, you know. Where did the name Peggy Moore come from? Who is Peggy Moore? Well, I was going to call it Michael Moore's, but I decided to call it Peggy because Peggy came over to Scholars, actually had her 90th birthday in Scholars, and she was a lovely woman, and she'd worked here all her life and all the rest of it, and I thought it was a, a fitting name for her, but I certainly wasn't going to change the Moore name, whichever way it was. You know? It was always known as Moore's Andrade, so you gave it the Peggy name. But it was Michael who began the business when he bought the place from Dolan. He bought it off Dolan's, 1908, and uh, continued that. But it was a hardware store, and it was a, a, a supermarket, it was a sweet shop, it was the tobacco shop, it was everything for the corner in, in Sunday's Gate. And people came in from all over and remember cutting their cheese and cutting their corned beef and their ham and all this. Actually, there's a story about Michael Moore and... He, Damien brought me back a lovely knife big long knife Michael used to cut his ham and his cheese on the counter he left it there one day and in came the black and tans and started messing with the ham and he chased them down the road with the with the big knife and didn't get shot for his troubles. You know, it's amazing uh, history, you know. Oh, it's incredible history. Glenn, let's have a look at this ledger here that your dad mentioned there. Look at the writing in it. Isn't it just simply magnificent? And read a few of the entries that are here just on the page you've opened there for listeners. Yeah, so one or two things that would be quite interesting to us and fitting. The Christian Brothers uh, buying loaf of bread, uh, a bottle of press 
Preston's whiskey, which Damien um, actually had some nagins, and we have them on display here of Preston's Distillery, which which is closed now. And look at the top there, 1916, 1917. So the handwriting's fantastic. But yeah, it links to all the old businesses that were around then, and yeah, just uh, fascinating, really. WT Skeffington paid 12 shillings and 16 pennies or is that 12 pounds 16 shillings yes it is 12 pounds 16 shillings and no pennies there I'm just picking here and there from it as well another one there that I see is PJ Carroll and co paid five shillings and seven pennies and so it goes down along the ledger so many entries there so these are the people who did business with the Moors Absolutely. They bought all their goods. And I suppose uh, something that I find very interesting is days when there was no Internet. Peggy and Sissy were buying goods from all over the world. We have boxes, preserved meat from Uruguay, raisins from South Africa. And um, they seemed quite well organised for people that didn't need the Internet. You know, incredible altogether. May I say to you, in the context of old pubs in Drogheda as well, when we look round the shelves here, look round the walls at everything you have, as your dad said there, you've put so much back on display. But this is what people love about Peggy Moore's. Yeah, I'm glad we got our hands on the place because I would have hated to see this pub not be a pub. And Martin's great with history and growing up in uh, pubs, he knew exactly what to do with the place. And the fact that we found all of the historical items, we have a passion for history like in Scholars Townhouse Hotel. So I'm glad we have it because we are passionate about it and proud and Trotter people should be proud because it's an amazing place and uh, the history speaks for itself. When did you open first? We opened for the second flag hill as a pop-up bar in 2019 and uh, we wanted to do some work on the place, put all these historical items on the wall and uh, unfortunately then we were only open a month when Covid hit and uh, we were flying at the time And uh, but look, bit by bit we're getting there and we've opened up a new hostel upstairs, a new international backpackers which is totally slick and modern you open the front door with your mobile phone so the history downstairs and then the futuristic place upstairs you know a bit of a clash there but um, it's going really well and we serve food seven days a week the food is flying out the door so a lot of places aren't open that often for food so um, yeah people are coming out and having a burger and chips or cheese board and pickled eggs and the locals are loving it a lot of people have said to me they're really glad they have their local back and their granddad used to drink here and all the rest of it so yeah we're very proud the cheese you mentioned there your dad was mentioning the ham and corned beef as well that's always been a part of Moors historically and you've brought that back in conjunction with the kitchen and the hot food the cheeses talk to me about that where's your cheese coming from okay so it was actually really difficult to get somebody to make cheese for us in um small amounts because they want you to buy so much of it but I found a family in Waterford uh, Knockamore cheese and they were really excited about the project to work with us and they have some special cheeses there for us nettle and chive uh, some sun-dried tomato and black pepper but the famous one is the red cheddar that everybody raves about which Peggy was famous for slicing up and giving to the customers so at whether it's 12 o'clock at night or 2 o'clock during the day you can have a cheese board with your pint a nice um, nearly like a fisherman's cheese board nothing too fancy about it it's really good quality cheese it's handmade cheese and if you want you can have a pickled egg with it or a couple of olives you know maybe that's linking back into the the days peggy was important stuff from all over the world so yeah we want to keep that alive may i say it's an irish form of tapas and i love this about going away on holidays because you can go to bars like this and eat like that and i think it's something that's been missing here in ireland 
Yeah, definitely. I don't know why a lot of bars, if you're sitting at a counter, you couldn't get a, a ham and cheese toasty. You know, we have ham and cheese toasties there. And uh, I, I love the pub in Dublin, uh, Grogan's. They give you a ham and cheese toasty. It's as basic as it comes, but uh, I've always been fascinated with having a pint and then ordering a toasty. And I just think it's a, it's also a bit of fun. People seem to enjoy it. And uh, maybe it keeps them in the pub a bit longer. They don't go down to the chipper, you know. Um, so, yeah, no, it's going really well. People are uh, taking very well to the food offering. So you combine the old with the new, as you said there, the modern with the ancient and upstairs, of course, the hostel and right up to speed there with technology and accessing and getting in and out of the place there. Martin, back to you. Just a couple of people associated with the pub here. First off, the late, great Eamon Campbell from the Dubliners. That's right. Eamon was a great friend of ours. Believe it or not, he was the Grand Marshal of the parade and I kidnapped him with the horse and cart and we brought him up to Scholars and from then on when he saw scholars he used to come up for a point and, and he'd book rooms in it and all that we became very good friends and when I got Moors I said what will we do I said well Eamon Campbell only lived down the road so we said we put Eamon on the wall and we put a fresco of Eamon on the wall Peter Finnegan he was 50 years of barman in, in Drogheda and he was in Peggy's and I knew him very well Peter came into us lots of times when we were doing it and he'd say we were doing this and we are doing that and that the last time he came in he was in his wheelchair and I gave him a whole run around the whole shop and he was delighted he used to bottle his own Guinness outside in the back and he used to do all the bits and pieces for the food store here and all the rest of it Peter now all his daughters all his family beautiful people Peter Finnegan only three doors up the road and he was fantastic and it's great that you have his picture framed here and he'll be here forevermore in Peggy's 50 years of barman and synonymous with Moore's that's right and and Peggy herself there as well and they obviously got on very well together to be there that long together you know as as bar people and that you know Martin thanks for the invite Cheers. down to Peggy's thanks a million and Glenn just finish with yourself thanks very much I appreciate you coming down and enjoying the pub thanks to all the support we've had from all the Drogheda people and all the customers it's been just great support from the local community so thanks to everybody are you having a point before you go I shall force me I just might <laughs> thanks a million boys knock knock who's there that's how it works it's called comedy 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 sir comedy classic comedy classic comedy on the late lunch I love comedy today it's the wonderful Joe Brand about weighty issues I can tell you're quite excited because I'm a lot thinner and prettier in real life aren't I <laughs> Don't panic down there, I'm not going to fall off. Um, I was told to wear glittery clothes, right, because this is a bit of a showbiz occasion. And I just caught sight of myself in the mirror and I realised I looked like a fairground ride. So I apologise for that. Now, my personal trainer said if I walk around a bit, I'll use up a few calories. Fifteen. Now, um, I hope you're thinking, even though I do look like a fairground right, I have made a bit of an effort, sartorially. Can you see? <laughs> Quite a nice arse for a fat bird. <laughs> now, one question that I get asked all the time, so don't text me with this, is if you could take a pill that would make you thin, would you take it? Of course I bleed and well would. I would like to take a pill that made me six stone then I could eat my way back up to ten. <laughs> what a bloody brilliant weekend that would be, wouldn't it? 
You see, I think there's two types of people in the world, right? And it's all to do with how they eat biscuits, right? Because the first type of person makes a cup of tea, gets a plate out. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Opens the packet of biscuits, takes one biscuit out, puts it on the plate, and eats it very daintily off the plate. Folds the packet back up, bit of sellotape over the top to keep it fresh for next month. The rest of us get a packet out, eat the hulking lot without taking the cover off, do we, really? And consequently end up looking like me. Because I've always had a weight problem. You know, when I was a, a teenager, I remember going to see the careers mistress, and she said, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'd like to be a nurse or get married. She went, better be a nurse then. The wonderful Joe Brand. Laughing at herself, which is uh, one of the best policies. If you're a comic, she's simply brilliant. Yes, weighty issues with Joe and your late lunch this afternoon. Oh, I was listening to Killian on the news there and Tony Bennett, the legendary crooner from New York, has passed away. News just breaking at 96 years of age. My, oh my, he released his first album. Uh, listen to this, back in 1952, 70 years ago. And uh, he died in New York. He loved New York. He'd been diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2016. And, you know, he was of the era when you think of Frank Sinatra, recorded with the wonderful Aretha Franklin and many, many more besides. He won everything and anything that was up for grabs really in the music industry you name it he picked them up awards left right and centre but uh, in recent times and I remember featuring him as my artist of the week he uh, linked up with the wonderful Lady Gaga and like they were poles apart age wise generation wise but by God did they actually come together and have such a synergy anyway we remember Tony Bennett on late lunch this afternoon by going back, he recorded two albums with Lady Gaga to this one. It's their rendition of Anything Goes. In olden days, a 
glimpse of stocking was looked down as something shocking. Now heaven knows anything goes. Good authors too, who once knew better words, now only use for letter words, writing prose. Anything goes. Anything goes. The wonderful Tony Bennett, who passed away today, age 96, with Lady Gaga there and Anything Goes. What a brilliant combination they are there. But Bennett was just simply brilliant. May he rest in peace. But his music will live on forever and ever. Sinead Cavan and Carmel McCarthy are women never short of an opinion. They're back with me on Late Lunch for the next while. Hi, girls. Good afternoon, Jerry. Great Hello, Jerry. Good to, to be here. Great to see you both. Great to have you with us as well. Let's get straight to business. The topic on a lot of people's tongues this week is the TV licence, subsequent to a little story that broke recently, as you know, on RTE. So I'm going to put you on the spot straight away. No notice on this one. I'll start with you, Sinead. Give Cam a little bit of time to consider. Uh, will you... Or have you paid your television licence? So I'm in the position of I pay it direct debit monthly and I don't even notice it. And literally three or four days after that said story broke, Mm. my renewed uh, licence arrived in the post. And I kind of went, I didn't even have the chance to decide whether I wanted to pay it or not. So it's paid. But, you know, it might not get paid next year. But we'll you're see. paying this it year. It is paid. But you see, it was yes. done because tied in, so I've paid it. So it's yeah. actually paid already from now till next year. Because right, okay. I just paid it on a monthly so you, thing. You know, but so I didn't really have a choice in it. But you're near time. You'll have forgotten all about this. And yeah. it'll be a different type of a charge and you'll just pony up. But it is a case of you are kind of looking and saying, you know, it's like the motor tax. And we all played the motor tax. And, or what was it? Yeah, the motor tax. And we discovered it was paying for Irish water mad salaries. And you're mm. kind of going, um, there's holes in the front of my estate. I'm getting I'm getting my very own um, shock therapy as I go in and out so it's like what's the what is the license fee being used for and when you see mis- I call it misappropriation of funds no doubt the, the committee is going to come up with whatever they'll come up with but it is on the outside looking in as a, a punter you're looking at going misappropriation of funds they're my funds and you're telling me I have to pay it in order to watch your fairly poor TV Ugh. Carmel that's the scary bit, yeah. Mine was renewed last October, so I'll be getting the renewal in the post, I suppose, sometime uh, early, middle October. Do I want to pay it? No, I don't want to pay mm. it. Do I have to pay it legally? Yes. Mm. That's the catch-22, because I don't want to end up in court uh, and having to pay a €1,000, you know, as a preliminary fine, and 2000 then if I don't, uh, if I'm up on a second charge, and maybe do a stretch. You know, not that they can... Uh, People have a rest, pay. though. Well, do you know what? All meals paid and everything All, else. Everything paid, yeah. <laughs> po- yeah. No, no, you have it. <laughs> on second you, You'll be all right. You'll be in an open prison. It'll be OK. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll be, yeah, yeah. And I'll Do probably learn... in the yeah, morning. Gardening, yeah. all that, yeah. No, I'd be all right. But the, the only thing that annoys me is that about 85% of our TV licence goes to RTE. You know, so are we going to see a repeal of the Broadcasting Act of 2000? 
2009 and they'll encompass everything and say no matter what you use if you pick up a pen and you can get a signal on it well you need a, a license, a license for, for that it, yeah. and that's the way I see it going but I do think they need to very quickly turn around and tell RTE we'll pay we'll pay the Joe Soap salaries but like you better go and make the money for the other ones and for all the flip flops well, yes because that's the thing you have you know, public they're, they're public subsidised salaries for the Joe and, and, and Mary blogs in RTE, you know, who are the ones who keep the road on the, the, the show on the road. And they are the ones who have been really penalised over the last number of years with pay cuts and have been asked to, to you know, moratoriums on salaries and increase and everything else. And yes, you see people who are in a position to make multiple strands of income some of it even passive just because they put their name on something and they're absolutely coining it and that's where the money is going yet the people the very people who are actually responsible for keeping them on air or on TV are being penalised But may I say this salaries. they'll say to you that they are the people who draw the advertising revenue that they are the personalities and they deserve to be paid way more because they bring in the bulk of the commercial income No one's saying they can't be paid more mm. but let's be realistic here there's been paid more and there's taken the mickey. I yeah. hear, yeah. <laughs> I hear what And do you know what? It's fine to be paid, but declare it all. Oh, yeah. You know, where this is the whole from. thing, where it's coming from. And like, you know, if you do get a car, you know, should you be paying benefit in kind? Yeah. You know, yes. I think, yes, yes, yes. There's a know. lot of questions. So that leads us nicely into, is the way back for Ryan Tuberty being paved when you hear the announcement yesterday that Kevin Backhurst had a very constructive meeting with him? Oh, well, listen, he, Kevin Backhurst said it from day one. They, he said there was no reason why you wouldn't see um, Ryan Tuberty back. Mm. Look at Ryan will come back and people will forget and it'll be very cleverly manipulated. Watch this space and watch the PR around it. You know, it'll be like an Oscar performance (laughs) and they'll get him back there. Of course it is. You know, because who else have they got to put in instead of him? But Sinead, he's a good broadcaster. He's been, you know, there a long time. His radio show, he's gone from the the late night. Now, I presume the, the new salary will reflect an hour of radio each day. So many, so many things I could say about well, what you've just said. Don't, don't get many me, of them don't get possibly, me shut down here. Many of them I possibly can say it loud. Yeah. Um, Ryan is Teflon, right? Ryan has always been Teflon. Ryan has, in your opinion, yeah, he's floated, and I've I've first hand experienced the man. You know, met him a number of times out in Orty and whatever. Um, yeah, he's Teflon. You know, he he carries the um, the kudos of those who who uh, groomed him for his position in RTE. So there's a serious Teflon coating there. It it might have gotten a little bit sticky <laughs> currently, but it will uh, clean itself up. There's and nothing wrong with. On. By the way, we're not disputing. It. We're not uh, drawing dispersions or aspersions on Teflon or anything like that. No, no, yes, this no. is no Teflon yeah. was harmed yeah. during this broadcast. Yeah. No, but it's from the point of view of that. You know, as Carmel said, 
Uh, people are fickle. Memory is fickle. Mm. Something else will come along. It'll be, you know, it's nearly, it's almost yesterday's chip paper. And you'll see him wheeled out to support every charity known to man. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. And he won't be accepting a penny for it. You know, no. you, yeah, yeah. Or, will, will, or he'll allegedly. be donating his ridiculous fee <laughs> yeah. to said charity or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. watch the manufacturing of Okay, this. we're going to watch this space, which you talk about fees and, and prices and everything. Uh, Anyone going to Taylor Swift? I would hear no. no. Okay. no come here. No, but <laughs> come here. I was in West Clare last week and at a fantastic tra- trad session where they were releasing their, their CD and it was 15 euro for the CD and we had hours of fantastic entertainment of pure magic. Now, would I swap that for a Taylor Swift ticket? No. Well, I tell you, you mightn't either when you mentioned 15 euro. Okay, so the tickets were released. They were sold in minutes yesterday. 100,000 people going to see her on the 28th, 29th and 30th of June next year at the Aviva Stadium. Um, The tickets came out starting at 86 euro for general admission. Lowest price standing ticket, 126. And then you had the VIP packages from 370 to 750 almost. But here's 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 the twist. You know the way the new law came in banning the reselling of tickets, that it's illegal under the Sale of Tickets Act. Within minutes of the tickets being sold out across, you know, where you can go for these tickets that are not the official site when they're all sold mm. out. Um, €1,100 for the seated section. Yeah. 30 minutes after the tickets sold out. Uh, and floor tickets in front of the stage, €4,000. Yeah. Now, what about this law? Do we make laws and it's just a law? It needs to be enforced, right? Yeah. But Thank you. This is if you're going to have something that that is called a law, as in it is part of our country's legislation, then it needs enforcement. But have and they, it needs to be enforced. Have they thought promptly and quickly? Well, that uh, that's a very good question because you know you're in the online world now, and yeah. who has them? Who's selling them? La la. Well, it's just they just go black markers. They just go dark mm. web. But you have Ticketmaster have their own secondhand ticket mm. sales. Mm. Do you know? So you can actually go back to Ticketmaster and say, "Not going now. I'll send them back to you," and they'll buy them back at a less, obviously, than you paid, and then they'll put them up for sale again. Mm. So do you know? <laughs> Saying that they can't do it and yet Ticketmaster who seem to have the monopoly on this uh, kind of thing have their own mail meet. So I, it's just... And do you know that for a fact that they'll pay less? You know, you, are you sure yeah. that? They, they will make you an offer. Is that it when you go back with tickets? You have you experienced that? You won't get the full amount? Them, no. Oh God almighty. That's, that's new on me I have yeah. to say. That's very strange. Can we just true. No, I'm just after getting I'm just after getting my confirmation in my ear. It is true. They, I never knew that before. So there you are. Thank you, Brian. Um, that That is true. So, you know, when I look at this and I think, my God, I'm can we talk about the bigger picture of that? Okay, what is it? The bigger picture of how can this type of situation be allowed to actually occur in the first place? Now, the girl, I'm sure, is highly talented. She appears to be a lovely girl. Fair amount of wholesomeness and everything else there. She is surrounded by money moguls, though. That's as simple as that. To release, to ask people to sign up for the possibility getting the offer to buy a ticket yeah, that's what in happened. the first place yeah. You're is in this disgraceful. mighty queue. I've been in those queues so and got nothing. So you have the age group, because the demographic yep. to which she appeals is highly impressionable. Tweens, 
teens and young adults. So what other way do you do it, may I ask? You do it like everybody else does it. The tickets go on sale on Friday morning at nine o'clock. And everybody... You go online and you buy it or you don't buy it. Yeah, Simple yeah. as that. You I, queue outside a shop that sells it. Yeah. Ta-da! I, Joe I Tierney's in Navin. Because, I mean, the thing is, you can imagine the stress that some parents are under where they, they, they've their teenager doing their head and saying, did you get the tickets? Did you get the tickets? Because they won't grasp the concept that you could, you, you're you only in a queue. Mm. I'm going to give you first hand. I will be shot when I get home this evening. But sure, do you know what? There might as well be a reason for that as have no reason, just the fact that I have a teenager. <laughs> so, the friends are all going to, have you registered? Did you register to be on the waiting list? Are you on the waiting list? Did you get, did you, did you buy to be on the waiting list for Taylor Swift? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, did you, when are they going to pay? Did you, did you get, oh I got, I got, I'm on the waiting list. Are you, oh you're not on the waiting list, are you not? Oh, well I can only buy one. Oh I can't buy one for you. So then the latest one. So this is weeks, weeks of stuff that there's no space in my brain for. And then this week's one was, right, well I'm after getting it. So I actually might be able to get your ticket. So do you know what? If you lodge... Now, they're going to be between €80 and €230. So if you lodge €230 into my account, I'll buy the tickets for whatever price I can get them for and then I'll give you back whatever the balance is. Did they get tickets? No, she didn't. I wasn't providing €230 to go into somebody else's account and the off chance there might be a ticket. She's have to pay the electricity bill. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) it. And this is, is this the, the reality that kids are living in now? That this bubble... And they don't don't see that there's an ESB bill to be paid or a gas bill or whatever. It's just It's crazy. not on their agenda. But, but here's the thing. Go on, Carol. But, but the thing is, this, the marketing tool is so yeah. strong and like it's just driving. It's just driving. How it's, do we, it's how do, we do it? It's so utterly psychologically manipulative. And I actually think it's ac- it is highly, highly irresponsible. Okay, and I hear what you're both saying. This is the big picture, as you said, and this needs to be looked at. I will go back to what I said, Joe Tierney, a good friend of ours. They took the terminals from the likes of Joe Tierney and others. There was about two or three of them in the North East. And you're right, you could go and get your... That's all gone. They didn't want that. And that was the fun. People would be in the queues, you'd see them on Trimgate Street and they'd be there overnight. They pulled it back centrally and that doesn't happen anymore. Oh, the Women's World Cup yesterday. I felt so sorry for them. Penalty, Carmel. Mm. 1-0 in the second half. They played well, didn't they? Uh, They played very well. Now, I didn't get to see it, but I was... Because I was out working on a client site, but I was checking... Uh, Twitter all the time yes. to see and I nearly cried when I saw one that nil. one nil but by God did they put up a show like they just I, I just love the the energy of the team and you know we've we've done so well the women have done so well between the, the soccer and rugby mm. I mean you know getting to the final of, of the Rugby World Cup was something else but like let's hope now we've another two matches ahead of us with the in the soccer let's hope that we we do something yeah the there. next game is crucial. crucial Canada it is, it is. Yeah. in a general sense you know the significance of a women's soccer team qualifying for a women's World Cup first time ever in the context of a woman's life and a young girl's life growing up in this country is, is this a significant thing? Is it as significant as it's been made out to be? And will it be for Incredibly. the future? Yeah, Incredibly yeah. so. Yes. It's been proven again and again that for young girls, they come to the age of 
12 or 13 and they drop out of team sports. And that's to do with biological changes and development and everything else and how the sports aren't adapted and clothing isn't adapted and there aren't sufficient um, there isn't sufficient input to put in put into helping them, re- you know, retaining them in sports. So to have a female senior team out there fielding, flying the flag, uh, the tricolour uh, in both the rugby and the, and the soccer is an incredible, an incredibly important aspect of our business, of our sports um, uh, focus for the country. Um, and I think the fact that like when you think back the first women's world cup was 1991 mm. do you know there's adults that exist that that they're living now that that they were born at the same time mm. and that's the first time there was a women's world cup mm. so to to see that you know it's to, it's only taken 22 years is that 32 years it's 32, 32 years i can't two add yes yeah. not my yeah. strong point i'm saying it now. um You're all to right. think it's 32 years there's 32 year old women like some of some of these women playing some of them weren't even born when the first mm. Women's World Cup mm. had only come about. Yeah, it's very recent you know, for Women yeah. in World Cup. Yeah. And do you know, it's again, it's at grassroots level, like people in communities starting up the teams. You go back then, I have two of my girls played soccer, but again, it was a local club that was so set up by local people. Yeah. And like, they absolutely loved it, but it was only it was in the the nineties, so it was yeah. ro- really Very only new. the start yes. of yeah. this. But uh, I mean, you know, I remember one of the coaches saying to me, he says, uh, and like as I say, I'm going back probably thirty years, saying this is the future for women. Mm. I remember Pat saying that to me. He said they've got to stick with it because he said girls have fabulous uh, ability. He said and play soccer. He said they can move. He said yeah. better than lads at times. He said, and they're not afraid of the ball either. Yeah. Yeah. So this has, uh, in both your opinions, been a real iconic moment for women. It's and been girls really, really sport. lovely, really it's, wholesome, yeah. really yeah. beneficial to girls in sports now. For young girls, for smallies coming on, the tweens and the teens currently there to say to them, you can stick with this. It is there for you. There is somewhere else yeah. you can go with it. Mm. There is, an, There are goals, excuse the pun, to be attained in female ball sports like this, team yeah. sports. And keep going. From field sports and soccer and competition to Barbie. <laughs> Barbie's back on the big screen. Were you a Barbie girl, Carmel? No, I wasn't. I had Cindy. Cindy. Yeah, yeah, I had Cindy and I can still remember going out and <laughs> saving up and buying a Cindy and getting all the wee clothes and the shoes to put on. I was on the cusp, so I had one of each. Oh, you yeah. were privileged. So I had one of each. She's younger. But I did, <laughs> didn't want to say anything, Carmel. Um, but, but I, so I had one of each, but I much preferred Cindy because she looked... Normal. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> there was more chance of you seeing a Cindy lookalike in your life yes. than a Barbie one in mm. the 70s growing up when I was small um, and into the 80s. And I think that was the thing. Obviously, as you know, if you think about how um, fashion and hairstyles yep. and um, the beauty industry and everything else like that has has continuously evolved and evolved. And it does. I do think that there is a Barbie-esque uh, catalysts there yeah. in the in the se- late seventies that that started a lot of wasn't that. it a bit of a put down you know if somebody if a woman was described as a Barbie 
Oh, it was derogatory. It was. Well, it yeah. was the blonde yeah. hair. It was it? the blonde. Yeah. And she had, you know, it was usually a size six or something like that. Yeah. You know, it was, this, again, it was stereotyping. Very much. Yes. The, the, this, uh, to, this perfect woman. Yes. And which didn't exist. And, and, and Barbie, proportionately, is completely imperfect. Oh, yeah. Because if she was real, like, her feet aren't possibly big enough to have hold yeah. all yeah. the rest of her bits. The rest of her bits, <laughs> yeah. Right. And yes. then, uh, you know, she's, She's a bit now out of proportion, even on the top. Uh, this is what I mean. She'd keel over, yeah, like yeah, she would, yeah. she would, because you know her centre of gravity is supposed to be in her hips, but I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But look at the stars with Margot Robbie as Barbie. Uh, Ryan Gosling as Ken in the movie. But and sure, of course they're going to. They're getting paid mm, a mint for it. They are. They get paid a mint for it. And every kid, because Barbies are still a big deal. You know, every little girl, if they're so inclined towards dolls, they all want to have the Barbie, you know. Yes. And it's the one that has had, you know, Marvel, isn't it? Mattel, isn't it? Has, they've had the money behind oh, yeah. them to no matter what other ones have come along. Like you've had those, the weird Bratz dolls and, and the, the Monster mm. High dolls and all of those have come along. But the Barbie has sustained... You know, That's and has right, kept its yeah. place and continued going. Um, but again, going back to that whole Taylor, so the Barbie thing has been like so ridiculously hyped. It has been, it's created, it's a monster. There's a pink monster launched on the world today, worldwide. <laughs> and and there's so many adults as well as kids who have bought into it. I'd love to get the pictures. I've one gone off, gone off in the, in the, in near nothing. That'll be see-through near nothing if it rains. Um, because in the pink and all the pink and the glitter. Dressed up to go and oh, see the movie. Oh, sh- and I guarantee you there's women, there's grown women going. So, in the mid, middle-aged women going and fair place to them. Some people, someone who like uh, will start on the politically correct platform and, or politically correct platform and say, uh, why the pink? Why not different colour? You know, watch this space. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was a funny meme actually yesterday. Uh, I don't know what it was on. One of the platforms it was on and it was two lads bumping into each other and one of them wearing a pink and orange top and the other fellow wearing a blue top and he's going, where are you going? We were supposed to be going to something. And he's, are you going to Barbie? And well, and it's it's actually, look it up if you can find it because the culmination of it is is that the fella in the blue top is actually wearing pink shorts. All right. And the fella in the pink top is actually a pink guna. <laughs> and off they're going to Barbie but they're not going to tell anyone. Yeah. Is it age appropriate? I just see people uh, or, you know, for what age is it appropriate? Some people saying it's not appropriate for younger people. It's 15s. It's 15s. Yeah. And that, and the thing that bothers me with PG-13. Oh, 13, is it? Mm. I thought it was 15. Yeah. But the thing about that is, is PG-13. PG is the key thing. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but PG-13 is one thing, but is it still suitable for a five-year-old? And so, you know, that's the problem. And if you have a five-year-old who knows there's a Barbie movie out because they they can hear everything and see everything, how do you you not bring that five-year-old to that movie? Because it's the pressure that people end up under. So again, it's back to this huge marketing, manipulative and psychological marketing that, uh, because at the end of the day, it's money. You have to handle though to oh, yeah. the people in the studios and that, that spotted this they spot these things and they say we can have a reincarnation of this you know what I mean on the big screen and look at the boost I, we were talking about commercialism and the merch, the marketing merch that's and going everything. to go with it the merchandise that's it's going to be unbelievable anyway Barbie is one movie just before we finished Oppenheimer uh, with our own man in the lead role is getting rave reviews. It's out at the minute as well. Uh, that'd be more my scene than I think so. Barbie, yeah, to be yeah. honest. I'm just putting my cards on the table. I haven't got the pink shorts either. Sure. Oh, we'll buy the shorts. We could sort out. We could sort out. But I haven't, I haven't got the shorts <laughs> to go and wear and see the movie. Mm. Anyway, 
that's about it with uh, Carmel and uh, Sinead on late lunch this afternoon thank you so much again for dropping in and having a bit of fun with all those interesting stories that are making the headlines at there the moment go. until the next time Carmel McCarthy and Sinead Cavanagh thank you so much for joining me thanks late. for Very welcome, Jerry. Thank you. take care bye bye the name of Kathleen Chadda's book is everything we've had a number of people on asking for the name of the book who were listening to Kathleen top of the show remarkable woman yes everything is the name of that book yes if you'd like to find out more it was in Peggy Moore's what a beautiful old pub it is and I want to tell you that there's a podcast available I'll share it a little bit later on of my entire visit to Peggy's because there is the uh, old but there's the new as well the accommodation they have there is unbelievable and it's above the place now and it's fantastic and somebody was asking me is there accommodation have a listen to the podcast when it's shared there there is indeed and, and give them a shout if you have an interest in that let's reprise our TV theme That's the A-team for sure. You just get up and hop about the place when you hear that. It's inspiring, isn't it? What a great TV series it was. The A-team I was looking for. And uh, our gift from Late Lunch Today, including that book uh, by Kathleen Chad, is on its way to Mariah Casey in Dundalk this afternoon. Well done to you. It's in the post as we speak. Now, time for this on Late Lunch. Five, four, three, two... Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number one from this week in 1992. And it's brought to us by English actor and singer-songwriter Jimmy Nail. It was released on the 29th of June 1992 as his first single from his second album called Growing Up in Public. And you know him. Yes, you know Nail himself. He revived his singing career during the success of his television drama series Spender. Remember that one? The single reached number one in a number of countries across Europe and in the UK, which is the chart we focus on. So here it is, our number one from this week, 1992. It's Jimmy Nail and Ain't No Doubt. Jimmy Nail, number one from this week. In 1992, ain't no doubt on your late lunch this Friday afternoon. David Sheehan runs the rule over the sporting weekend each Friday with us on the show and he's waiting for me patiently. Hi, David. How are you, Jerry? I'm good, thanks. Just a quick one on the golf before we go to the soccer. Brian Harmon, 10 under par, 6 under today for a second round. Five shots ahead of the field. He is at one already and it's only Friday, David. Ah, uh, Jerry, I love the way you see these little uh, teasers up for me. Yeah, I don't think, I think you know as well as I do that uh, Lynx, Lynx Golf and the British Open can go either way, depending on what the weather does. But incredible stuff from him. Six under today, four under yesterday, obviously. So ten under now and five clear, as you said there, of uh, Tommy Fleetwood. But he's only after starting his round Fleetwood, so he'll have something to say about that. Um, but yeah, really strong stuff from Brian Harmon. Sadly, it doesn't look like we're going to get that challenge from Rory McIlroy that we were hoping we might see after his win last weekend. He's uh, mm. he's back on even power, I think, the last time I checked. So he's uh, he's not having a great time. But, but again, 
you know, you never know what could happen at the weekend, but certainly from an Irish point of view, for McElroy and Lowry as well, he's out at uh, what, 10 past three, he's just uh, started his round actually now, so he's on one over. So it's not looking great from an Irish perspective, but uh, yeah, Harmon, brilliant start from him, and it's going to take a bit of stop. And Rory's back to one under now, actually. So you know, maybe mm. he could make a bit of a charge over the weekend. But yes. he's got a long, he's got a long way to come back from. He has Alex Maguire four over after ten, three over today. He'll need to get claw back. I'd say two shots. It's looking like the cut is two over at this stage. But look, we'll wait yeah, and see. He's actually he's actually five over now. Ah, today. I see. So yeah, he's, there you um, go. yeah, he's yeah. a four over for his round today. So he's going to need to pick up three or four shots yes. uh, pretty quickly. So it's not looking great for him. But look, I was looking at it there. Justin Rose is behind him. Tony Fina is behind him. Charles yes. Schwartz is behind him in the mm, table. So mm. not, nothing to be ashamed of there. There'll be lots of big days for him to come. Don't worry there about will. that. Have you a winner? Who's going to win it? Uh, I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for Tommy Fleetwood. All Why right. Yeah, I'm an awful man for putting you on the spot. Anyway, I don't have a clue. <laughs> my golf days of picking somebody are over as my little group on Wednesday will tell you. Anyway, let's move on to soccer. It's FAI Cup weekend, so a break from the league. And we have 16 ties, 32 teams in the hat. I want to say something about this before we begin. There are 12 mm. non-league teams in this draw. And this happened under the watch of a former CEO of the FAI for some certain reason I'm sure but those clubs have the FAI Junior Cup and the Intermediate Cup the reason I say it is look at some of the ties Dundalk Shamrock Rovers we're going to talk about in a minute Bo Shelburne they could be cup finals yeah and I, I mean I don't know if they need to start seeding these draws or something like that but that kind of takes away a little bit of the romance from it as well so yeah you're right and, and we saw you know Drada have had a, a few bum draws in the last couple of years as well as you would well know so there is an element of it, and, and you know, Drogheda Sligo is in all Premier Division, both Shelburne likewise, and as you said, Dundalk and uh, Shamrock Rovers. So, y- yeah, I suppose, look at it, the other side of it is if, if you can if you can overcome a Premier Division side, if you've gotten a Premier Division draw in your first round, to get over that, then maybe there's a little bit of an open run to the, to a quarter-final or a semi-final. Mm. But yeah, it's an interesting one. I hadn't thought of it before, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fair point, I think. Yeah, I think it's something that needs to be looked at. I don't mind, say, four of that, but 12, my God, I don't know. I, I really do question that. I think it's something that has to be looked at. But anyway, it is what it is the minute. Draw to Sligo tonight. It'd be a difficult one to call because they're going to play Sligo seven days' time again in the league and both ties in draw yeah, and little enough between these two sides uh, this season. Drogheda had a 1-0 win earlier in the season. I think it was the third game that they played this campaign. And then they drew uh, with Sligo in the game over at the showground. So not much to choose between them. FAI Cups, as you know, Jerry, uh, rarer in Drogheda than uh, Taylor Swift tickets at this moment in time. Just the one in their history, 2005, which I know is a, is a, is a day you remember very, very yes. fondly. And even more, even more than the league that they won a, mm. a little bit after that, because it was the first bit of success they had in a long time. So... It'd be great if Drogheda had a bit of a cup run. Um, they're going well enough in the league, but you know, for what they want to be doing in terms of where they are on the table. But they've been a bit unlucky, as I said, the last few years. They've drawn Derry City yeah. and, and Shamrock Rovers in twice each, and were very unlucky to go out to Shamrock Rovers last year after extra time. So if they could overcome Sligo, as we talked about a little bit earlier with the draw, you know, if they can get a favourable draw the next day, all of a sudden mm. you're into a, qu- a quarter final, and you can start to dream of the Aviva. So. I think we all wanted a, um, a Dundalk Drogheda final, Jerry. That would be the dream. Oh, but, um, yes. but yeah, but, but Drogheda Sligo tonight. Look, the fact that they're at home, they're put out a full strength team. They were good against UC last week. I think Drogheda have enough to get through that one. So let's hope they do. Um, is it decided tonight, one way or the other? Is it extra time penalties or penalties yes, after 90 yes, minutes? Yep. Extra time. All is the it? way. 
Okay. Yeah, extra time and good, pens, good, yes. good to know that. Um, Dundalk Shamrock Rovers, of course, they've both been involved in European action. Rovers out of the Champions League will drop into the Conference League now. Dundalk getting by that pub side last night, 3-1. Um, Dundalk and Shamrock Rovers, what do you make of this one? It's a big, big tie. Yeah, it's an interesting one as well because Dundalk beat Shamrock Rovers 2-0 there, what, three weeks ago now at the end of June. So they, they have that result in, in very recent memory and was probably one of their be- best performances of the season. I suppose... The thing here will be how they recover from the game last night. Rovers were playing in Europe during the week, obviously, but they have a couple of days extra to recover. Um, that pitch at Oriel will take it out of you as well, the artificial surface. But I think Dundalk will go into it with lots of confidence. Rovers are, are huffing and puffing a little bit. Their league form has been patchy enough as well. So, again, it's a golden opportunity. Dundalk win that one, not only progress to the next round, but take out one of the big names as well that would potentially be in the mix to win it. So it's all there for them. The incentive is there for them. They've beaten them recently. I, I give Dundalk the, the vote to go through in that one. Um, let's talk about GAA on the local front tomorrow Mead take on West Mead in Thurles it's featured on Saturday Sport in the All-Ireland Intermediate Camogie semi-final yeah fourth successive semi-final for this Mead team and they just can't quite get over the line and get to a final and give themselves that opportunity the golden opportunity to go up to the senior grade I was listening to Brendan Skeehan there uh, chatting to local media and indeed chatting the column this week and he talked about the, the, a lot of new faces and a period of transition but he, he did mention that they still have a, a core of experience in that team there's still a lot of players around who've been there and done it so it, they've got a really good opportunity a great win over Cork in the quarter final we know that was Cork's second team but Cork is, a, is such a stronghold for Camogie so no mean feat getting over them Westmead tomorrow they've played each other twice this, this season already Mead had a win in the league but Westmead beat Mead quite heavily in the championship by 10 points 4-11 to 2-7 so a little bit of revenge, uh, I suppose, on Mead's mind, but but it's going to take a bit of a bit of closing that gap. We know they didn't perform to their best that day, and they'll be really, really determined to go and do it tomorrow. But you know, down in Sample Stadium, they played there a couple of weeks weeks ago against Cork. It's the home of hurling, really. It's where you want to play your your hurling or your camogie. So it's going to be a huge day for them. And look, they're going to have the work cut out. Look, given a given that result that happened earlier in the campaign, but I think that. They'll, they'll really lash into this one, Mead, and I'm going to give them the nod to get to a final finally after those four successful semi-final defeats. Surely their luck has to change at some stage, Jerry. So Mead to progress. I remember Des Smith, the golfer, saying to me one time, and I think it was in the context of Drahada, you don't always get what you deserve in sport, Jerry, and that is one of the truest things. But if there's any justice, if there's a God above, Mead, Camogie, girls will get through tomorrow. Just a word before we finish on the big one then on Sunday, Limerick ruling mm. supreme in recent years as All-Ireland champions up against the Cats of Kilkenny. What a final. Yeah, they're going for four in a row and uh, my, my dad, who is, you, you know well at this age, is a Limerick man and not, not happy with the success they've had in recent years. Still harks back to that 2019 semi-final where they <laughs> lost against Kilkenny. They would have been going for six in a row if they had won that one. But, but you know, some, some, people, some people are never happy. Look, I can't wait for this one. It's a repeat of last year's final. Kilkenny really tore into Limerick last year. They just didn't have enough class for them. Big news coming out of the Limerick team this this or today or a little bit earlier on was they named their team Declan Hannon, their captain, is not starting. He's not in the panel, so he will play no part. So they're going to have William Dunahoo at centre-back again. He's normally in midfield. So they have to shuffle it around a little bit. But the quality this Limerick squad have has absorbed a few losses over the years. Keen Lynch was, was missing for a lot of this year. He's just getting back to full fitness. He's the captain now in, in the absence of Declan Hannon. So Limerick just have so much power, so much quality. They can play it whatever way you want. Now, Kilkenny have been really good this year. I think... Derek Ling has moved them on a little bit since Brian Cody, even though he got to the final with them last year. Um, but I think Limerick just have a little bit too much quality. You know, Limerick or Kilkenny have the likes of Mikey Butler, who's been flying um, in his second year in. But 
I just think if Limerick perform to the, to the level they they can, mm. then I don't see Kilkenny beating them. You, Limerick can play it any way you want. They have the skill, they have yes. the physicality. Sometimes they're a little bit over physical, but that's all part of it as well. So I I think it's going to be really tight. But I think Limerick, if they can perform to their level, and there's no reason to suggest they haven't because they normally do turn up in big matches. I think they'll win it by by two or three points. Um, yeah. be the first team to do four in a row since Cork. Brilliant. Or since rather in the in the two thousands, so I think Limerick just just to sneak it. They should double on late lunch. Tommy Fleetwood and Limerick from David Sheehan. Until next week, see you then. Thank you, Jerry. <laughs> Take care. Bye bye, David Sheehan. There running the rule over the weekend sport. That's it for another week on late lunch. Thanks to my guests who joined me during the week. To you, our listeners who are with us every day, and especially to Brian Farley who's been with me during the week. Thanks a million, Brian. Eddie Caffrey's on his way with the drive here on LMFM Radio. Have a nice weekend, and please God, we'll see you Monday one thirty. The Late Lunch, brought to you by Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan.